the very fact that the memes itself survives and thrives to this day points to perhaps a deeper kind of subconscious concern and evolution of the of the Bitcoin religion. podcast finds you thank you for tuning in and welcome to the did you know podcast i'm dustin your host today we're going to be talking about the citadel meme within bitcoin and why i think it's an important meme but may have some negative implications on the direction of bitcoin culture um before we begin please give the podcast a five-star rating and written review uh, on itunes and support the show by going to supportmypodcast.com there you can find all the ways the, to support the show, like using the Amazon link this holiday season for shopping. And you could also, while you're there, take advantage of my listener-supported discounts. Uh, things like uh, mushroom coffee, uh, which blends coffee with lion's mane and chaga mushrooms, something that I take on a daily basis along with Rishi as well. And these discounts are absolutely free. Uh, no cost or anything like that. These are just for you, my supporting listeners, to so go to supportmypodcast.com and find the ways to support and you can click on that listener listener discount support button and find all the discounts there so like i said the topic today is going to be about uh, an article actually that i wrote on the citadel meme um, within bitcoin and i published this about a month or so ago but i recently we re-went back and i edited it and uh, updated it uh, after a little bit of criticism and conversations that I had about it, and you can find the article on my Medium page, which is on my website, or just in the blog section uh, of my website at didyouknowcrypto.com. So uh, I'm basically going to be reading this this article, and uh, as, as well as just kind of digressing a little bit to, to uh, make a few more points that I, I didn't quite make in the article either, or that I didn't feel were quite conducive to the written word, but I think will be better in podcast form. So it starts off with um, uh, the Bitcoin cult. An emerging religion is one that I have covered extensively in a variety of podcast episodes and blog articles, uh, the links of which can be found right in the article or if you go to the website and you click on um, Bitcoin religion in the tag section or on YouTube as well if you're watching. If you go to my channel and you click on Bitcoin religion, you'll see all those videos that I've done in that as well. It's a most interesting development in the history of Bitcoin and is what I would consider a predictable outgrowth of the Bitcoin organism, um, as was described by the German Bitcoiner Gigi in my episode with him. That would be episode 47. Um, so religions are thought to be by many evolutionary psychologists and historians as a never, natural evolutionary step of culture or society wishing to kind of bind together its citizens and kind of cement these cultural norms that are viewed as positive and help for growth. So Bitcoin, while being very much a technology, is much more than that and is revealing itself in multiple ways and adaptations as this organism searches for the most kind of efficient path to survival and solidify the gains of its supporters who are required by the organism to both keep it alive as well as for it to thrive. So what is the Citadel? The Citadel first emerged as basically kind of a tongue-in-cheek ironic post on Reddit uh, the link is going to be uh, in this uh, on the website uh, for episode 63 as well as in YouTube. Uh, all the links to all the stuff that I'm talking about will be in there. But if you just want to Google it as well, you can just Google Reddit Bitcoin Time Traveler and you'll find the post. Um, and this was a post where a supposed time traveler from the year 2025 had come back in time to 2013. This is when the post appeared to warn Bitcoiners of what a Bitcoin future would look like. 
Uh, the future was a world where most world governments had ceased to exist due to lack of uh, an ability to collect taxes as the world embraced Bitcoin. Early adopters were called earlies. They had become insanely rich. And uh, those uh, those other uh, people who were kind of at the top tier of society, um, along with the early Bitcoin adopters, were kind of the people of old fiat money wealth, you know, that had a lot of US dollars or euros, who kind of... Um, converted early and well not as early as early bitcoiners but they converted before a full takeover of bitcoin um and these people who had immense bitcoin wealth were at extreme risk of violence and they sought refuge in citadels um, one of the uh, examples of violence was the winklevoss twins uh, were apparently uh, murdered and as people were trying to take their money and so they sought refuge in these citadels. These were protected walled cities where most work was automated. It was basically just where Bitcoiners were hanging out and safe from um, people without an immense Bitcoin wealth uh, would be able to find them and be able to try to force money out of them. So also in this scenario, the North Korean and Saudi Arabian governments are the world's superpowers due to they had early large Bitcoin holdings. Um, which is actually not completely untrue. North Korea is known to have done quite a few hacks and things that uh, have accumulated them quite a bit of Bitcoin over time. And they, he claimed that he was also part of an underground group um, in the future that was trying to destroy the internet and computing technology, I think, in general. It's kind of unclear if it was all computing, but he talked about smashing computers. Um, so that they could make Bitcoin irrelevant. And, you know, they he was basically asking Bitcoiners in 2013, you know, stop this project now before it grows large and this terrible future comes to pass. So on the face of it, this is a pretty ridiculous post. Even if you just want to do the push the suspend belief button, kind of like what you do in movies and everything like that, and just assume for the sake of argument that it's true, if you could time travel uh, to stop Bitcoin, why would you go to 2013 and post something on Reddit? You just go and track down Satoshi or, you know, all the early known supporters who made it what it is and kill them. But, you know, I digress. The post became popular and the Citadel was kind of born out of this time traveler Reddit post. And kind of became embraced as as a semi-ironic thing amongst uh, amongst Bitcoiners. And the embracement was ironic. But like many memes, the inherent irony in the meme can be stripped away over time and become basically kind of a semi-serious position or belief after a while. And what is telling of the Citadel meme is not that I think those who spread it or post memes about it um, or talk about, I um, can't wait for my Citadel or whatever, now are that they're actually moving from irony to seriousness or anything like that, but that the very fact that the memes itself survives and thrives to this day points to perhaps a deeper kind of subconscious concern and evolution of the, of the Bitcoin religion. So the Citadel concept is one of those effects of the bitcoin religion or the bitcoin organism which i think they're one in the same it's attempt to solidify the gains it's it's made and gather more adherence in short it's a belief in a future where society could possibly be stratified between early and late adopters of bitcoin uh, as the global reserve currency given those who've gotten early and accumulated large quantities of bitcoin or late stage adopters with available capital who are able to transfer wealth from fiat to Bitcoin, but they're much higher prices, so they have less Bitcoin than, than early adopters um, as far as for the, the buy-in. Uh, and this stratification would lead to resentment against early adopters who would hold vast quantities of wealth in the now highly valued, basically sole world currency. And the resentment would present a clear and present danger to those adopters, to anybody with a large amount of Bitcoin holdings. And this would require them to seek refuge from the threat of uprising or mere extortion and theft and kidnapping. And while individual states would provide them with a measure of security, the best way to keep basically, you know, 
the, the barbarians at the gates would be to get together, to pool resources, to move in closely to one another for mutual support, for security, and kind of form these intentional communities uh, colloquially called citadels to provide a, a you know adequate security for Bitcoiners, um, as well as their families and, and uh, to protect their accumulated wealth. So within this Reddit post, as well as the surviving meme concept, there's no clear layout or location. Um, and it's, it ranges from a walled castle-like community um, to floating space stations above Earth is the way it's, I've, I've seen it manifest itself. And what is interesting is that their philosophical correlation, um, apologies, I keep on pouring myself more water. I don't know why I've just been extremely thirsty this afternoon. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is this correlation um, with 19th century American and European intentional kind of utopian, or I shouldn't say kind of utopian, they were utopian communities, uh, as well as a science fiction series called The Culture, which was written by Ian Banks um, between 1987 and 2012. So I'm going to give a, a couple examples of these intentional communities, um, as well as kind of a little overview of The Culture um, science fiction series. So from 1790 to 1840 in uh, Western Protestant Christianity, a phenomenon called the Second Great Awakening occurred, which resulted in radical offshoots of existing Christian denominations that believed uh, tenets of faith should dictate the community's life and setting. One of the first ones we'll talk about is the Amana colonies, which were in Iowa. They were established in 1856. Um, and they created kind of this Christian communal life that survived for 76 years, it was totally self-sufficient and remained so basically until they shifted from what they'd created was basically a four, uh, uh, from a regular community to a for-profit corporation during the Great Depression, which created the Amana Society Incorporated. But the best known brand that you'd be familiar with that they created was its refrigeration line, which created the first commercial upright freezer. And the community survives to this day, actually, still heavily agricultural based, but relies a lot on the Amana corporations. I'm sure you've heard of Amana refrigerators and other appliances. Um, or relies on these corporate profits and tourism for their sustainability. And it's based on the pietism movement um, within Lutheranism, which calls for communal living. Um, it emphasizes and reinforces through social pressure the need to live a fully Christian life. And they would find sanctification through a, a heavy focus on adherence, a lifestyle adherence. Like it was very rigid lifestyles. Uh, Owenism was a, another example of this. Robert Owen, he was a businessman and a founder of the basically utopian socialism and cooperative movements. He embraced socialism and Christianity or this embracement of both of these things led to his experimentation with intentional utopian community. Socialism is very utopian and that fits very well with kind of uh, Christianity because uh, Christianity is very utopian, but for way different things than socialism is because Christianity's utopian dreams are not of this world. As Christ um, um, told Pontius Pilate that his kingdom was not of this world. And Christians believe that, that the utopia that they seek is, is not on earth. On earth is for living a righteous life to achieve that, that utopian in the afterlife. Whereas socialism has got this concept of a utopia in the present day. So one can understand, even though they are highly... They, they don't match up um, through any kind of rigorous theological thinking. But the you could see how, how attractive it would be to try to match a, an idea of creating a utopian society in the, the, you know, the material corporeal world um, in, in the time being before you would reach that um, utopian society in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and he, you know, experimented with these 
utopian communities in America and Britain. His most famous was called New Harmony in Indiana. And the belief was, as with all the other Christian intentional communities that, um, or I should say a majority of them, that a lack of personal property would lead to destruction of greed because members would focus on the good of the community and not on just getting whatever they needed for themselves. And their sanctification individually be leaning, you know, would, would be found through focusing on the, not only the good as far as for making sure people have blankets and all that, but on the spiritual good and holding accountable um, for others uh, and, and being able to actually have time to do that versus spending all your time trying to work to achieve material ends. Um, they leaned heavily on the same pietist religious beliefs that the Amana colony did as well, um, as they were they were semi-Lutheran uh, of an offshoot. A grand town had been envisioned that would be walled in. It would be a center for gathering of the commercial goods that the community produced uh, for religious instruction, for education, for all that kind of stuff that you can imagine that a community would need. And although the community attracted about a thousand residents and lasted about two years, it was basically a total economic failure. Big surprise, right? Uh, Josiah Warren, a resident of the community, uh, described it as being doomed to failure, given that the united interest of the group was at perpetual war with the individuality of its adherents. It was constantly having to battle uh, against the individuality and the bucking of conformity of the people who live there. Uh, he also attributed it to lack of individual sovereignty. Uh, in short, um, you know, well, he didn't say it was specifically individual sovereignty, I should say. that That is my own words. But that it was at, his words of saying it was at war with the individuality of the adherence to me is uh, being at war with the natural human yearning for individual sovereignty um, from the rule of other humans uh, in this in this uh, material world, and and I, I think that he is spot on. I think that that's a lot of the problem with a lot of these uh, socialistic uh, utopian communities is they're going to spend so much time trying to get people to not care about their own material good that a lot of times people lose focus on um, their uh, on their want, or, or they, they lose focus and they, they lose focus on the aims that they're trying to achieve because they're constantly trying to police others' actions and make sure that they're doing what they're doing for the good of the community. It's not that this can't work. Uh, you, you do see this, you see in Mennonite, you see in Amish communities, but they also are able to accumulate profit into themselves. Uh, also, if you actually look in Christian monastic movements, ascetics, uh, like the Benedictines or the Cartusians, I mean, they are not accumulating individual wealth and, and they are doing things for the good of the larger Christian community and all that kind of stuff. So it's not that it's impossible. I just think if you're looking at it as a way to take the average mom and pop and person on the street, this is just ridiculous uh, utopian thinking. Uh, the, the last uh, community of the Second Great Awakening that we'll talk about is the Bruderhof communities. And this is a another Christian utopian movement and it started in 1920, and it's actually still going on today, um, albeit at, at much lower numbers. And they practiced a community of goods, communal ownership, um, and the same communal ownership of goods as was described in the first Christian communities in Acts 2 and 4. And the group considers themselves distinct in denomination, although others have called them Anabaptists, which is a faith history that the Amish, Mennonites, and Hutterites follow from. Uh, the community started in Germany, but most of the people of the Bruderhof left uh, with the rise of the Nazi party for fear of confiscation of their community's property and conscription. They were conscientious of objectors. They did not want to fight in war. So uh, from the German communities that left, uh, were they created communities in England, um, Paraguay, the United States, and Australia, um, with all those, except for the one in England, still surviving to this day, the community, uh, as I already mentioned, holds all property and goods produced in common. All members are working for uh, for the community and all monetary benefits that they get, um, even at an individual level, are then used for the benefit of all. 
members dress very plainly, and like their other Anabaptist brethren of the Amish and Hutterites, they basically reject um, most technology within the community, seeing anything that may interfere with personal sanctification as something to be avoided. So with the Bruderhofs, you do see, unlike the Owenism, um, you do see a, a an ability for a communal property society to exist. Uh, I just, I don't think that it is a... Um, I think that's a way that you can you can make it a, a case where people who are people going to monastic communities and especially those who stick with it are extremely dedicated to that lifestyle. Um, the same way that intentional communal property communities can work if everybody is dedicated. Problem is, you're not going to find everybody in the whole world is going to be dedicated to that. So you're going to be spending more and more of your time becoming more brutal and brutal and brutal, trying to suppress. Um, people's natural instincts of individuality and accumulation of capital for their own benefit. So um, the the last one I talked about was the, the Culture series. And this was a series of books by Ian Brooks. He was a Scottish author. And it's a utopian kind of post-scarcity space society, kind of like how Star Trek is in a way. And it consists of humanoids, aliens, and an advanced AI. And they live in what is considered a libertarian socialist society spread across the galaxy. Um, the culture is created by humanoids and AI 9,000 years prior to the events in the first novel, uh, which would put it at about 7669 BC. Uh, the members of the culture live on a spaceship and other non-planetary structures as the founders did not want uh, to live on planets because they wanted to avoid avoid these centralized power, political power structures that continued in the series. The, the, the history taught them that they constantly occur within planet-based economies, so they decided to to reject living on planets and, and uh, move to non-planetary structures such as spaceships and things like that. And the series fo focuses on like a lot of the wars and political intrigue that occur between the culture and other advanced societies as well as how they interact with lesser civilizations. But there's a sub-theme in there of individuals living in a post-scarcity society and how they and how they are able to live where pri priority is no longer on acquisition of property as since everything is already available, right? So it's, it's, um, it's interesting because then the focus of these people comes not on, well, I got to work more so I can get more money so I can buy the boat that I want, right? Whatever you want, you can get. So at that point, you know, material objects have no value. Uh, but the the focus on on this in this in this sub theme is how these people are struggling to find meaning without personal acquisition and accumulation of capital, a kind of a central pursuit of their lives. Um, so how does this manifest? Um, so I, I, I titled this section of the article, the manifestation and history of Citadel impulses, you know, many Bitcoin Bitcoiners, especially the early ones were libertarian, or at least had some sort of libertarian leanings and were often kind of steeped in that kind of libertarianish culture, uh, the literature and philosophy of it, a famous, you know, this pre-Citadel impulse that would have, you know, influenced the minds of a lot of early Bitcoiners, as well as those who um, are Bitcoiners today, is this concept of Galt's Gulch, um, which comes from uh, Ayn Rand's famous novel, Atlas Shrugged. And for those people who have not read the book, uh, brief synopsis, and I'm not doing it justice enough, is that Government overreach and obsession with equality um, had led to laws that continually punished op entrepreneurs and businessmen for, you know, innovation and the success that they achieved uh, through innovating and creating, you know, more successful businesses. Um, and, and their their punishment of, of people like this led to a lot of these entrepreneurs, a lot of these business people to start disappearing. And these men sought to escape a society and culture that exploits them um, and basically went on strike by removing themselves and forming a community that they called Gulch, Gulch 
where, quote-unquote, men of mind reside. Another uh, example of a very similar line of thinking is the failed laissez-faire city um, that I discussed with the cypherpunk Paul Rosenberg in episode 31 of my podcast. Um, you know, these men who were trying to create laissez-faire fair city, they were directly inspired by the philosophy of Ayn Rand and the concept of Gold's Gold. So it, it, Gold's Gold inspired laissez-faire city and that they, they weren't um, uh, just happened to be existing at the same time. And they first attempted to lease basically a large area uh, uh, or a large lease uh, in a Latin American country to create this kind of actual physical real world gulch gulch. And initially they secured promises uh, from the existing government there for a long-term lease, but that actually ended up falling apart. And they said it instead of wasting the talent and uh, the, the capital and the people that they'd assembled for this, um, they decided to create a digital version of it. They called it laissez-faire city. This is in the early days of the internet. And this was to be a place where a digital community that valued truly free markets and privacy could reside. You know, and un ultimately due to disagreements and infighting, the project dis did disband. But a lot of stuff was launched and a lot of really neat things like encrypted email and all that kind of stuff was, was created um, within this city. Uh, or I should say that we're this digital culture of laissez-faire city. And Bitcointopia was also very interesting. And this is a comment, a uh, comment. This is a concept by uh, Morgan Rockins, who had created um, this, this idea of Bitcointopia, where he was selling undeveloped land in Elko County, Nevada, for 0.5 Bitcoins per acre. And the idea was to create the kind of a libertarian-style society, um, where only cryptocurrency was used and where a Gulch gul style brain drain from the disparate global community of Bitcoiners could actually congregate and live physically and kind of uh, in a somewhat circular, self-sustaining Bitcoin economy. Um, it turned out actually, though, that he actually owned very little of the land that he was attempting to sell and he was arrested and is actually now incarcerated, serving jail time. Um, likely, probably more because he's trying to sell land that was actually federal protected land. And the uh, point of the story is not about Morgan or his dishonesty, uh, but about this impulse, the impulse itself to self-segregate. And this impulse is only found in those who have a religious zeal around their ideology, um, you know, Randy and libertarians, the people that talked about uh, in laissez-faire city, embrace this. Um, and those who fully embrace Bit the Bitcoin meme are actually starting to exhibit these same impulses themselves because it is turning into a religious zeal, or it already has. It's just some people are, are just barely starting to recognize that this is what it is, and, and some still fight it. Um, so... The correlations with the Citadel meme and all this is, well, first, uh, Giacomo Zucco, he is a prominent Bitcoiner, and he kind of, I wouldn't say he took offense, um, he, he wasn't angry or bothered, but he took exception, I guess, at the concept of the Citadel, that the Citadel meme is purely about its security concerns and protection in a future Bitcoin society. Um, his position, which actually I, I, I do agree with, um, but I actually did not properly illustrate it enough in the first draft of the draft of this article is that, you know, it was, it was very, you know, like I said, the, the time traveler meme was ironic. People talking about the, the Citadel meme then and, and a lot now are still being ironic. Um, but this semi ironic embracement of the Citadel meme is his contention is that it's not really about security. It's actually about culture. And, you know, the examples of the religious communities that I outline above are, you know, these cultural self-segregations. And they're, they're about the cultural segregation, uh, not as much about security. Surely one reason would be individuals who embrace um, a similar culture or religious uh, idea is to congregate um, and, and for, you know, kind of a mutual security. But... I think the more important thing and uh, is the cultural aspect. 
oops, I had a little mistake there. Sorry about that. Um, the monastic movement in Christendom as well uh, was an attempt by those who saw corruption rampant in their society and culture and wished to separate themselves from uh, that corruption so they could live a life that was directed towards righteousness and virtue. The original monastic movement was basically not congregations and groups, but actually individuals who sought refuge from sin and a, a, a sinful and corrupted world on their own. And some of the earliest ones were called the Desert Fathers. They were hermits and aesthetics who lived very, very simple lives um, and very sparse lives inside caves in Egypt. You know, later on, this movement uh, started to form, and in some cases, communities were not only religious people, but also families um, that lived within these intentional communities uh, that, that centered around, most often around church. A modern Christian movement, though, um, that we're seeing in the in the modern days called the Benedict Option. And this is actually one where increasingly uh, Christians in the United States and in Europe, they no longer identify with uh, modern Western culture, and they not only see the values of the society shifting away from them. Um, so it's not only that, well, they're just not agreeing with us anymore, but that, that society and culture is becoming increasingly openly hostile towards their own um, beliefs. So intentional communities are springing up in the United States um, for these reasons. So St. Mary's is located in Kansas by uh, Catholics, a group of Catholics who reject the Vatican II reforms are called the Society of uh, St. Uh, the Society of, oh goodness, now I forget, St. Uh, Pius XII, SSPX. And they wish to live outside of the, the modern culture. So, you know, bring it back to Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoiners have inherited this libertarian uh, Western tradition of self-segregation. And that has obviously influenced our creation um, or the creation of Bitcoin and the culture that we are creating around it. And the Citadel meme, I'm not saying it's like, well, this is going to be it, but what it is an early one, but albeit ironic expression of these traditions, of these impulses within the culture that we already exist and grow up in, for the most part of you people viewing and, and listening. Um, so those who hold large amounts of Bitcoin are also inherently invested in the continuation of what would then in this Bitcoinization future, it would be then the status quo. By being a Bitcoiner, you are incentivized to ensure the survival of Bitcoin and thus the survivor, uh, yeah. you are then, even though your interest in Bitcoin survival, sorry, the water pump just kicked on, your interest in Bitcoin survival is purely selfish. But even within that selfish act, um, you are um, helping to survive and concerned with the survival of every other Bitcoiner's wealth and status in society. So the same incentives that Bitcoiners have to ensure the survival of the Bitcoin organism, the Bitcoin religion, is to maintain their status. Um, or I should say, the same incentives to ensure the survival of their organism, um, to maintain the status of Bitcoiners, is the same incentives that modern Western states use um, to ensure segments of society have basically a vested interest in the continuation of the status quo of the state's survival. Uh, early American history, we saw a system of what they would call internal improvements. This was actually a really big thing with the Whig Party. And it offered really terrible corruption-laden schemes um, that would be paid to wealthy individuals to build roads, canals, bridges, things like that. It was widely known um, in the party uh, and part of the planet's widely known in the Whig party, I should say. And it was actually part of the plan itself uh, for these individuals to overcharge the government as they would become more reliant on government contracts, as well as create leverage for blackmailing opportunities based on corruption of government officials. Uh, modern Western states uh, have also now, instead of just trying to bind the rich to them and their incentives to it, because 
have to remember in those early days, it was basically land-holding white men were the only ones who could vote. So now that is no longer the, the purview of the more well-off, um, you know, it's they found a way to get the bottom as well. So these uh, incentives... Um, such as welfare and all that, to maintain the status quo of power uh, distribution across the uh, entire meat space network. Um, as they become just as resilient, uh, the individuals become just as resilient resilient on the benevolence of the state uh, as the rich were on it for its survival through basically corrupt government contracts. So as you can see, the modern Western states would use entitlements to get the poor invested for their survival on the status quo. And the older kind of versions of this was the uh, to basically use corruption and kickbacks to bind the rich to, uh, to maintaining the status quo of, of the state um, for kind of a complete picture of their survival now as we see both of those working um, together and this kind of falls you know to tie it back into bitcoin is that this is you know an interesting thing and it's rooted <coughs> excuse me <coughs> in the block size debate that split the community in the fall of 2017 when bitcoin cash was created and if you actually want a little bit more history on the background of this uh, I've conducted some interviews explaining the split, which you can listen to here in episode 9 and 14. And links, once again, will be in the show notes at didyouknowcrypto.com slash EP64 or down in the um, uh, description of the episode in YouTube. Um, so I, I'm not going to go deep into it uh, in in uh, this, this uh, podcast or this video. But in short, those who thought the trade-offs for increased block size to facilitate cheap transactions on the main Bitcoin chain went to BCH or Bitcoin Cash and those who thought that the trade-offs were too dangerous or risky and valued on-chain um, Bitcoin transactions as a store of value, the digital gold thesis remained in Bitcoin BTC. Uh, Citadel Bitcoiners are exclusively in Bitcoin BTC. Uh, I've never seen anybody outside of, uh, of Bitcoin um, within either Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision or um, you know Tron or Ethereum or whatever ever mentioned anything like a Citadel sort of meme, um, you know, and as in the example that I, I mentioned um, just uh, before, the binding of high net worth and politically connected individuals um, with increasing wealth via holding beast bitcoin they're able to protect themselves from rabble rousing um in that camp or wherever they are i i do not however or what i i guess what i'm trying to say is that you if you look at the way that uh that modern western states have done it where like i said where they've bound the poor through welfare welfare assistance and they've bound the rich through subsidies and, and corruption um, through government contracts and things like that for the um, uh, canals and all that back in the day. And, and uh, one can see uh, uh, cases of that in the modern day as well. Um, I do see that, that within Bitcoin, uh, in the Citadel meme, I see a, a clear case for binding the high net individuals and and people who hold a lot of BTC um, in into wanting to maintain the status quo of a a Bitcoin present, um, if the Citadel meme plays out as it has been alluded to, um, I do not, however, see a similar well articulated plan uh, for those people who are in lower socioeconomic status or SES, as the state does bind them to the status quo through welfare. So currently in Bitcoin, the concept of second layer, lightning network, side chains, all this kind of good stuff, is their answer for Bitcoin daily use, which I agree with, but it is not assured of success. And even the most zealous defenders of the second layer agree that lightning does have obstacles to overcome and is not as desirable as the Bitcoin network in terms of security. Um, 
there are trade-offs for all that. In a scenario where its success is as hoped and Citadel Bitcoiners offer no explanation for average people um, being bound to it as intrinsically high as those with high net worth, um, uh, it's it's not as... It's it's the the binding is not as deep there for people on the lower end of the spectrum as people higher end of the spectrum to maintain somewhat of a status quo. Um, the only thing that I've seen is that they'll, they'll say, well, the the poor will have the great gift of having their net worth um, a lot smaller, mind you. Um, you know, having qualities that the fiat system cannot deliver, and in fact leech off of them. Um, so they're basically saying that that Bitcoin is offering them a great gift, and they should be very happy with it, and they should uh, they'll come to appreciate it. Um, I don't disagree with this statement, but I do believe I don't disagree that it's a great gift to anybody, no matter your economic status. But um, I, I don't I don't believe they will have the same ethical and philosophical buy-in, and definitely not to the same degree, definitely, that we do, if they would be willing to put aside their preference for status quo security and uh, for the status quo security that we have and understand the mechanics of Bitcoin and economics better already, we would already live in a world of Bitcoin. If they were willing to set aside these sorts of things and, and really delve into it, we would already have that world. The fact that, that we do not already tells me that even in a Bitcoin world, they won't necessarily appreciate or live love a Bitcoin as much as we do, especially within this concept of, of the Citadel meme. And this, to me, represents an attack vector in Bitcoin um, as far as the Citadel meme is concerned, if that kind of this hyper-Bitcoinization future results in something approaching this. One where uh, individuals with high amounts of wealth um, you know, in, in that scenario, this attack vector, it means that people with this wealth and the security and, and high walls, they, they still won't be able to stop it if it comes to a boiling point. When the masses are jealous and angry, they are ripe for persuasion from those who seek their, they want to twist their sense of right and wrong into a concept of, you know, fairness, and justice and equality and egalitarianism and all that kind of good stuff. And those who have more obviously um, uh, that those who they, they will use the, and twist this to basically say that those who have more obviously acquired it by unjust means. And this gives the violent taking of said wealth at best fair and at worst a moral requirement, right? You know, it is a moral duty for us to balance the scales. We see this already. We see this al already right now. It's an appealing uh, it's an appealing appeal uh, that you see within the the left and and especially within the concept of, of democratic socialism that has been gaining in popularity over recent decades. Um, it very well could be that in a citadel future um, Bitcoiner world, the masses are content with sound money, and while they would still be lustful for life. Uh, for the life that those who have more, i.e. the early adopters, um, and this always is um, throughout history, I highly doubt that that would actually be the case, that they'd say, well, you know, I think it's totally fine for someone to have more than me. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, I'd like a little bit more, but, you know, uh, that that's fine. Uh, you know, in my personal opinion, frankly, I think the Citadel meme is a shit one. And it's, I, I think it's really rife with elitist overtones and doesn't play well outside of a small group that feels entitled to reap the benefits um, and live a pleasurable life due to either they had very early foresight into what Bitcoin is and what Bitcoin would be, or they just got lucky. I think a lot more people who bought a bunch of Bitcoin back in the day uh are really just more lucky than have a lot than the the amount of foresight that they like to attribute to themselves. Uh, but you know, without knowing each person's individual situation, it's very difficult to tell. But I really do think there's quite a few people who go, well, you know, I bought Bitcoin in 2011. Obviously, how smart am I? Um, where in all, they 
probably had made a bunch of bad financial decisions before. They just got lucky with this one. Um, so that's not to impugn anybody who did. I, I, you know, I'm not calling out any specific person, but you know, it's just the amount of people who claim to have have had foresight statistically. I just don't buy it. Um, and I understand, like I said, that the that the Citadel meme is an ironic one, and it was adopted semi-ironically. But you know, as I mentioned as well, I think the fact that it survives, that it is popular, that it continues to pop up, and kind of stay within kind of the collective subconscious of Bitcoiners, uh, means that it is it is no longer just purely ironic and just haha funny and jokey. Um, now to, to go back to, to this concept of early Bitcoiners, um, wanting or being attracted to this because, um, this future would offer them the, the pleasures of reaping the benefits of, of this, of this, uh, immense wealth that they would have had. Um, I, I think that they are actually entitled to reap the benefits, uh, to live a pleasurable, uh, life. Um, and I agree that they should be able to do that. Um, if that scenario plays out, you know, they took risks, whether it was financial or reputational or in lifestyle comfort by deciding to put more money uh, into buying more Bitcoin or dedicating themselves to Bitcoin than focusing on other things. Um, and they did this for a period of their life, whether it was one year, two year, five years or six or seven or going on almost 10 now um, for some of those really, really early people. But this rolls right into kind of what the masses and a lot of what the leftist rhetoric is, is this concept of what is fair in life. And while those who create value should be free to enjoy the wealth it creates, we can't ignore the repercussions in the real world and how people react to them and how people would react that a very small group of people would have a vast majority of wealth in this new financial system while the other people who are just playing catch up are just buying small paltry pieces of it um there is a reason major corporations will you know donate you know as far as for kind of for bitcoiners what they need to think about is why do major corporations donate to both candidates when it's clear that one or both of them um represent interests and policies that are directly opposed to their own it's because of survival they don't you know they will donate you know a uh, 70 to obama and only 30 percent of their total donations to mccain because they think obama's a better horse in the race which is what happened in the 2008 uh, election but it does not mean that they're not hedging their bets and going i'm willing to spend some of my wealth to secure a better future for myself. And it fits in too with a libertarian, um, individual, individualistic sovereignty kind of mindset as well as that if we, you know, when we talk about not wanting state use of, of charity, we don't talk about the that we don't want to have charity at all, but that it should be privately done. And I don't see a lot of thought into this. I think, you know, I, I don't have the answers to how Bitcoiners and the Citadel meme could deal with this attack how, uh, vector. But if this scenario, if the scenario that they are semi-ironically but kind of semi-seriously saying um, they want comes to fruition and a deeply meditative and articulating thought process has not occurred um, as to how to appeal and bind those late adopters to Bitcoin, um, with more than, well, you'll just have sound money, be happy. Because people don't care about sound money. If we don't do that, I think the existence of not only the Citadel, but Bitcoin is in jeopardy in the long run. You know, if history is to be any judge, humanity is more than willing to destroy a great good with using, or they're, they're willing to destroy a great good using a justification of eliminating a minor, albeit only perceived wrong, right? They will destroy something great just because they perceive something to be wrong that directly, that they think negatively affects their life. So to me, 
Bitcoiners really need to give a really thoughtful and and really deep, long discussion and thoughts and creating kind of as much time as, as is spent on how great it's going to be in the future when we're all really, really rich. They need to do 10 times that amount to go, how can we actually appeal to people who are going to be jealous of everybody who was able to get in early and while we can attribute a lot of us getting in early to foresight or going well i wasn't lucky i just understood it i was I, you know i studied economics i was in these circles right but a lot of people are on different journeys in their life you were not born a libertarian or a bitcoiner it took a journey and there's probably periods of your life before then where if you'd been exposed to bitcoin you would have thought just as a lot of other people think now that you would have been you would have had negative thoughts on it you would have not gotten involved in it and then later you would have been jealous of people who did if there were different paths that you would have taken in your life it would have taken you longer or never to get to the point where you could understand and accept bitcoin and i think that we need to give a lot more thought into how to secure bitcoin against those who may become jealous of the wealth that has become accumulated early on by those who will come much later so i want to thank you guys for listening and if you have any criticisms or comments please feel free to Comment on the YouTube video or go on Facebook or Twitter and find the uh, episode link that I'll have there. And feel free to ask me questions or say uh, why you disagree with me. I really like hearing from you guys. Feel free to DM me at any time and suggest shows or suggest guests or just, uh, you know, just discuss things. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, before you go, if you could go to iTunes once again, leave a five-star and a written review. That really helps. Go to supportmypodcast.com to support us in many ways um, and all the other ways that I do have available, such as Amazon or just direct donations, donating Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. You can I take all different types of cryptocurrencies because you can donate Ripple if you want. I'll just convert it to Bitcoin, but I don't mind taking Ripple. If you go to diginocrypto.com, that'll be about three quarters of the way down on the page as well. But mostly I want to say thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great night and take care. We'll see you at the next episode.